Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you Inky Savages are joining us for episode number 128 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. 128, this is really awesome. This week we actually don't have a guest, but that's okay because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that's fun, including pens, and also the response to, rather, the response from Twisby and Narwhal and joint statement and our opinions on it. And just be advised, our opinions are based solely on our opinions, no facts. We did not talk to any of the parties, be it Narwhal or Twisby, in regard to this discussion. So, as I said, these are our opinions. So, I hope you enjoy the episode. But before we get started with this week's episode of the Pentertainment Podcast, I want to talk about sponsors, right? Because that's how the bills get paid, right? So... Tom is with me today. We're going to talk about the sponsors. And the first sponsor is obviously going to be one of my favorite retailers. As a matter of fact, representing that favorite retailer is one of my best friends. That is the Odd Oink, who you can see if you're watching this on YouTube. So just do me a favor. Make sure you check out Goldspot Pens at goldspot.com through my affiliate link in the description below because by doing so you help out this channel, you help out the podcast and everything entertainment, entertainment related. So please check that out at the affiliate link provided in the link below. And while you're at it, I want to talk to you guys about you need pom poms. Tom needs Tom's in the background. He, he's got to have like pom poms. Just the hype he's, guy right now. Yeah, he's just the hype guy. So it's here, guys. It is here. The Walden Tango Imagination. Dark deal. It's limited to 200 pieces and made only for North America, which is really awesome because that means no matter where you are, you can get it. You just have to order it from North America. But I, I guess I guess that's cool, right? I, what's the need for it to be exclusive? Yeah, North America. Yeah, but there's only 200, so you should see these pens. These pens are awesome. They're entirely sterling silver with like these etched patterns that are colored dark teal. It's a beautiful pen. Just mesmerizing. Just, Just truly mesmerizing. is mesmerizing. It's and now delicious. once these beauties are gone, they are gone forever. So That's don't it. wait. Get them now. Now, do it. since they are exclusive to North America, and there's only 200 of them, we can do special deals on them. If you're a Pentertainment Podcast listener, all you got to do is go to, to the affiliate link that I mentioned, Click on it, search for the Waldman Tango Dark Teal, and make sure to use coupon code ROY at checkout for an additional savings on all products on the Goldspot website with some exclusions applying, of course. And finally, please check out brlcoffeeco.com and make sure you check out all the good products they have on brlcoffeeco.com and those of you who've been taking advantage of coupon code ROY on the brlcoffeeco.com website I certainly do appreciate it it helps me out because that is my third sponsor and I get lots of coffee and it's some of the best bean that you could ever taste they have different flavors and again if you use coupon code ROY at checkout there is a non-exclusionary discount applied to all products, including mugs and stickers, coffee, sampler packs, whatever it is that you want. You want to get the best caffeine high that you can possibly get. Do so at brlcoffeeco.com using coupon code ROY at checkout. And it doesn't give you the crackhead jitters either, which is great. Now, as I said before, we have an awesome episode lined up for you guys today. So make sure you stick around. We went a little long today, didn't we, Tom? A little we did, long, a right? Little bit. Yeah. 
but that's just because we enjoy each other's company so much. But before we yeah. get started with this week's episode of the podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I. So be forewarned, you haven't warned. Now, onto the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage Savage. Thank you, thank you. Hold your applause. Hold your applause so we can start the show. Yes, yes, thank you. We're pretty awesome. Thank you. So, I love this new app that we're using to record stuff. Hopefully we can fix all the audio issues that we had last week. We'll see what's going on. But... In the meantime, I think in the pen world, it's been somewhat exciting with news and all that stuff, especially with the joint statement that was released by Twisby and Narwhal. You read the joint statement. I'm sure you're familiar with it by now. Yes, I read the statement of jointness that the normally would statement. be very unexciting, you mm-hmm. know, for, you know, it just would not really draw so much attention if it was just a statement from any other company, but it just happens to be the two companies that have locked horns with each other. And a lot of people have been following the drama online. So that statement has a lot more weight than any other manufacturer generic statement that you might find out there. Sure. But are you happy with the statement? Me? I don't know if I am. Can we talk about it a little bit? Sure. Should yeah, we talk about it. Why aren't you happy so, with it? I'm not happy with the language. I'm not happy okay. with with how they say things. All right, so you can see it by going to the Narwhal Pens website, or you can hear me read it right now. Joint statement <laughs> from Twisby and Narwhal. Twisby and Narwhal are jointly announcing that they have settled their respective differences and concerns. To avoid the expense, burden, and uncertainty associated with litigation and also any future misunderstandings, the parties entered into a confidential statement agreement and agreed to send out this joint statement. Okay, so first off, with that first paragraph, I understand the need for confidentiality when it comes to a settlement. But, usually... I think settlements have a lot to do with something financial. I don't know if it does in this case. I don't know if the settlement meant one party is paying another party for any, if any, legal fees that were incurred by the other party. I can only speculate. And my speculation in regard to this means I think... And again, this is speculation, and I'm basing this on no facts, and nobody has told me anything. I think that with regard to this, based on the rest of the letter or the statement, that Twisby is going to cough up the dough for Narwhal's legal fees. That's what I'm assuming. I'm going to continue reading. Twisby and Narwhal pride themselves as pioneers in the fountain pen industry. Twisby and Narwhal look forward to continuing their respective efforts to lawfully compete in the manufacture and sale of high-quality fountain pens. Great, right? Generic statement. Well, first of all, Twisby and Narwhal pride themselves as pioneers in the fountain pen industry. One, they're not pioneers of the fountain pen industry. To say they're pioneers of the fountain pen industry is the same as me saying I'm a pioneer of podcasting. No, they're, they're jumping on the bandwagon. 
right? So I love Twisby. I love Narwhal. But as much as you want to say it, you're, you're kind of not pioneers. You're jumping on the bandwagon and making pens that have been made since, what, 1900s. No one's but that doesn't mean to say, here. right? But that doesn't mean to say that some of the pens that they have are not innovative, different, or new. It's just that they're not right. pioneers in the fountain pen right. industry. And I'm not trying to be a dick here, but you know, call a duck a duck. I'm going to continue reading. Under the terms of the settlement, Twisby acknowledges that Narwhal has not violated any intellectual property rights of Twisby or any third party. In particular. Twisby's primary concern was Narwhal's use of the piston filler mechanism, which was the subject of U.S. patent number 1,706,616, titled Fountain Pen, issued to Theodore Kovacs on March 26, 1929. This patent expired on March 26, 1946. After reaching an understanding on the issue, Twisby has been convinced that its use of the terms, quote-unquote, knockoffs, unethical, and design infringement, end quotes, concerning the narwhal fountain pens was unfortunate and retracts those terms. Twisby and narwhal agree the piston filler mechanism is available for anyone to use as a result of the expiration of the patent. Twisby apologizes for any confusion that may have caused, that may have been caused by its statements to retailers. Okay. So Twisby is acknowledging that the statements that they made were incorrect. And furthermore, this means to me that Twisby is acknowledging that obviously, one, it says in the statement, anyone can use it. But it also says to me that Twisby is, in a way, acknowledging that they themselves are using something that has been in existence, right? And to right. throw out words at them like knockoffs, unethical, and design infringement was wrong. I mean, it's clearly stated here. This is the next paragraph is the one that bothers me the most. Okay? Okay. Out of an abundance of caution and for the avoidance of doubt, neither Twisby nor Narwhal will stop conducting business with retailers that choose to carry both brands or products from other manufacturers subject to the respective policies and procedures of Twisby or Narwhal as applicable. With respect to the policies and procedures of Twisby and Narwhal, each company reserves the right to modify from time to time their own policies and procedures, keeping in mind that each of Twisby and Narwhal recognize that the freedom to select business partners is part and parcel of our free market system. We look forward to many more years of delivering exciting products to the fountain pen enthusiasts. Our community is strengthened through healthy competition. Okay, the first part of that paragraph, out of abundance of, out of abundant out of an abundance of caution and for the avoidance of doubt, neither Twisby nor Narwhal will stop conducting business with retailers that choose to carry both brands or products from other manufacturers subject to the respective policies and procedures of Twisby or Narwhal as applicable. So that part right there would have been great is if they cited or gave reference to what those policies and procedures of both brands actually are right because well like there's one no of explanation them, for example being ex explaining let's say about like the map program right minimum, minimum well i mean that's an example price. that's an example example of the policies and procedures right. but this is out in the open this whole statement is out in the open anyway so why not give us some perspective on what those policies and procedures are right 
And then the next sentence, with respect to the policies and procedures of Twisby and Narwhal, each company reserves the right to modify from time to time their own policies and procedures, keeping in mind that each of Twisby and Narwhal recognizes the freedom to select business partners is part and parcel of our free market system. So if you put those two together, it means, well, we have this vague concept of policies and procedures that no one has an idea what those policies and procedures are. Do you even as a retailer know, Tom? Other than map pricing, are there any other policies and procedures that would exclude retailers from doing business or or not? Well, there there would be in the cases of, like, for example, big one is payment. So some vendors may require, let's say, cash up front. It needs to be immediate payment upon ordering anything. Okay. Others may be more amenable to, let's say, a net 30, which basically means that you have 30 days from the date of the invoice of a particular purchase order to pay for it, or some have net 60, some have net 90, whatever. But that's an, that's an example, big, 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 uh, you know. So how do you know about these policies and procedures is what I'm asking. Well, usually it's spelled out right away from doing an initial talking with a vendor and kind of getting an idea of like, okay, well, you know, what are your, how, how do you like to, conduct business do you like okay you know well, do you okay. want there to be a it's map spelled policy out. do you yeah you're saying it's spelled it's out a, how is it spelled it's out spelled is out it from spelled the start out? right okay i get that how is it spelled out from the start is it written and sent to you in a document or is it just verbally stated no it's Which usually it? written in a document it, it it sometimes accompanies let's say a price list so it might be that the first page of the price list would be the company policy so it lists everything out says exactly what to expect when dealing with this company and then mm-hmm. it'll have the the prices for all of the various items and the items that are available to you um and then but but very rarely these days i feel even some of the really smaller uh vendors and manufacturers will have something in place just so that they could fall back on something just in case uh, an issue is transgressed like like this like a like a pricing policy or something. Or I'm like, confused. Or... So you said you said that even smaller manufacturers will have something spelled out to avoid any kind of issues that we that we've experienced with the Twisby Narwhal situation, correct? Well that's a whole other discussion because the whole the whole idea that a company could just turn on one in one second and say, I am going to stop selling to you because you carry product X, that is not spelled out in any sort of retail agreement. That's okay. that's that's so that's, so that's that's obvious. No one's right. going to ever put that on paper. Well, maybe Twisby would, <laughs> not anymore. But my what you said was that it's typically spelled out even for smaller manufacturers, right? So it's typically right. spelled out almost as in, in a contract, which is fine. And in typical cases, you guys being you guys being retailers are very clear with regard to the terms of that agreement, right? right? So if you violate the terms of the agreement that is spelled out at the inception of placing an order with a manufacturer, then it's understandable for anybody to be able to say, hey, I'm not selling to you anymore, right? Which is because what the next you statement violated says. violated this part of the agreement. Right. 
with respect right. to the policies and procedures of Twisby and Narwhal, each company reserves the right to modify from time to time their own policies and procedures, keeping in mind that each of Twisby and Narwhal recognize the freedom to select business partners as part and parcel of our free market system, right? So that statement there, the inclusion of that statement, for some reason says to me that there was an agreement on part of Twisby and Narwhal that even in light of everything that happened in terms of this joint statement and agreement that Twisby is still going to act against retailers that in the beginning onset of this whole debacle didn't agree with Twisby and didn't play ball with Twisby. So, you know, because we don't actually have information on the confidential settlement agreement, I'm not trying to be a naysayer or be negative here, but I'm wondering if on the part of Narwhal, this confidential agreement benefited Narwhal, irrespective of any resolution to retailers. Because not for nothing, there are retailers out there that stood up against the bully tactic of Twisby at the very start of this thing. Namely, obviously, as you know, your Goldspot Pens and Pen Chalet. And during that time, those retailers, those few retailers that stood up against the bully tactic, didn't receive any product that they had already agreed on prior to the start of this whole debacle. And I spoken to some of the retailers and they're like, yeah, you know, we didn't get that new yellow Twisby. They just denied our order and whatnot. So I don't like the statement that says that, I don't like the statement where it says with respect to the policies and procedures of Twisby, each company reserves the right to modify from time to time their own policies and procedures, keeping in mind that yada, yada, yada. I just don't like it because yeah. the damage from Twisby's actions has been done to the retailers. And the retailers that are excluded from receiving their orders that they had already placed based on agreements that were already established at the time that they placed their orders are denied their orders. So Twisby is still in violation unless they turn around and then send them those orders forthwith with, I don't think they will do. I don't know, maybe they will. That's, that's Hopefully one thing they do. that I always thought from the outset of hearing that there was a statement coming out and then seeing a yeah. statement. This, this One just second. So, so be... before I lose, before I lose my train of thought, okay. and the reason I have a problem with this is because there was no resolution for the retailers that stood up and stood against Twisby. There's no resolution for it. So, for me, from the, from my perspective, in looking at this document, it looks like Narwhal benefited from this confidential settlement agreement, without regard to whether there was any resolution to retailers. Now, in fairness, Narwhal can't speak on behalf of retailers. Retailers have to resolve that on their own. But that's why I don't like this. I don't know the content of the confidential settlement agreement, which is fair because it's confidential. But when you put confidential settlement agreement together with the fact that that statement with respect to policies and procedures of Twisby and Narwhal, each company reserves the right to modify, yada, yada, yada. Putting those two together, to me, is only half the solution. Yeah, it resolved the problem for Narwhal. Great. I'm happy about that. But 
It says neither Twisby nor Narwhal will stop conducting business with retailers. But if that's true, then how come there are orders unfulfilled to retailers that were still, that rather that didn't play ball with Twisby at the very beginning? So, I don't know, that first well, sentence... The, that's of, the problem that, the, with the whole thing. The problem with the... Mm -hmm. It's it's an agreement that, let's say, talks to the public for first and foremost because this did get dragged out into the public sphere as opposed mm -hmm. to just remaining within the manufacturers or the retailers. So there's a, a public image issue to, uh, to, to address. And mm -hmm. one of which is, is basically the same thing that you had seen with uh, the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, which is defamation. When you're, mm -hmm. when you're making statements against somebody that are not true, like the, like the usage of the term knockoff, mm -hmm. that's why they retracted it because mm -hmm. it is really not a statement that you should be making being that it's a patented piston mechanism that the patent expired like some 80 plus years ago. Right. Right. So the, but, but the thing is, is that it, it really does not change much in terms of being able to relate the manufacturers with the retailers because there are in the free market system you are allowed to make business relationships with the vendors that you want to and then you could terminate them there's no unless there's a contract set up specifically saying you have i you could order whatever it is that you want from me for like two years and then this whatever this much dollar amount whatever unless it's specifically set up in a certain way you can't hold somebody you can't hold a business to be accountable saying, Oh, you need to do business with me. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't say that. And so what that last paragraph does is that basically says, while you could both carry Twisby and Narwhal at the same website, Twisby and Narwhal have the ability to say whether or not they want to deal with retailer a retailer B. So I understand. I understand. That's fair. So Twisby can turn around and say, I don't want to do business with, retailer a b and c but i'll do from d to z which is fine but right. they're saying here out of abundance of caution and for the avoidance of doubt neither twisby nor narwhal will stop conducting businesses with retailer retailers that choose to carry both brands or products but that's not true because they have stopped conducting business with retailers that carried both and said that they weren't going to exclude one or the other so well, i'm in a that's uh, just, i I know from a from a retail perspective, like you were mentioning about uh, that that Goldspot and Penn Chalet had been, let's say let's say just more friendly towards the the Narwhal end of things and saying you know what we're just going to stick with doing the Narwhal thing and uh, you know orders have been sent and they have not been fulfilled but with with the optimism of seeing the statement another order was sent and I'm. Still in a waiting period to seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if new products don't show up on either the Gold Spot or Penn Chalet or any other retail website, you'll know the reason why. Mm -hmm. If any other new Twisby products, if if just Narwhal so, products show up on those websites, then you'll know the reason why the Twisby stuff's not showing up. And it's right. Most so my understanding, not because the it's not because the retailer decides that they didn't want to carry it anymore. It's because right. of the manufacturer. So my understanding is there was a point in time where I think the deadline was May 1st, where Philip over at Twisby was demanding a declaration from every retailer 
saying that they will sell off all their narwhal and they will not reorder. And if you made that declaration clear to Philip at Twisby, then he would send the order. And for those that did not, did not receive their order. And as far as I know, those who did not make that declaration clear to Philip has not received their orders. So now what we're doing is we're standing by and waiting and seeing if those retailers, specifically, again, the ones that did not make the declaration to Philip as he demanded, let's see if they will get their orders because that will be what is telling whether or not the last paragraph of this statement is true or not. Now, if, let's say, those retailers in question that did not bend to the will of Philip at Twisby do get their orders, end of conversation. Kind of. Because even then, how does Twisby make right the wrong he did to retailers that didn't bend to his will with regard to product that they have not received, such as limited editions, or the pens that are scattered throughout the U.S., such as the Twisby Eco Yellow. Was it transparent yellow, or is it just a solid yellow? Right? It was transparent. That's, yeah, was that a limited run? People have placed orders for them, those. With any of them, it's now, it's now like it's limited as, as much as people want to order them. For example, the, you know that Prussian Blue? Yeah, that, that Prussian blue was like limited for at least like the last couple of years. Right. So it's like it's just they just keep making them until people decide okay. that they don't want to buy them anymore. Right. But you see where I'm coming from with regard to the disadvantage that the retailers who didn't bend to the will of Philip at Twisby was placed in and how they have not been made whole, even at the resolution of this joint statement from Twisby and Narwhal. They didn't receive their yellow pens. They didn't receive it. Meanwhile, other retailers who were forced to play ball when they didn't have to received it and they're selling it and they're doing well with it. But again, the select retailers that were like, no, I'm not playing ball with this. This is nonsense. They didn't receive their orders and they're not going to. And that time has passed. And I think it's just too late now, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, well, already, it's, a lot, it's it's too late for a lot of people too. just seeing the court of public opinion weigh in on this with posting that statement that you read on Reddit or I saw a whole bunch of times on Facebook in different fountain pen forums. And a lot of people had already made up their minds based on the first statement that was made, not the joint statement, but the, you know, the, the Twisby retailer statement that they're, they're looking at this and they're like, not good enough. Right. Not good enough. I agree. And secondly, this, the, the language of this text says to me, obviously, that a lawyer wrote it up, proofread it, drafted it at least a dozen times. And what there is not here is, like, he apologizes for any confusion that may have been caused by its statements sent to retailers. It's not confusion that it caused. It caused damage. And damage in the form of the retailers not getting their orders. And damage in the sense that retailers invested money and time in putting Twisby products on their websites. Damage in the sense that you've put those retailers behind other retailers in this race to sell pens by at, at least a little, right? 
because, for example, retailer A never got the limited edition yellow pens, but retailers B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z did. And now that's less traffic to retailers A's website. That's less sales to retailers A's website. And that's damages. So there's no accountability for damages caused, in my opinion. I'm, maybe I'm being too nitpicky about the whole thing. But I get that they retract those terms, but you, how are you going to retract the actions against the retailers? No, I, and do, I does Twisby... I, I, yeah, I see does from your Twisby care too? You're, you're, looking at, you're looking at trying to make this thing whole. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like from from that initial statement, all of the things that have happened because of that statement, you're looking to make it whole because there's something right. that broke in there. Yeah. And I, and that statement just puts a big old Band-Aid on this gaping wound, you know? Yeah. Like it's maybe and not it doesn't gaping seem... wound where it's like bleeding out, but maybe like this really nasty looking scrape where it does get underneath the skin. There was a lot of blood. You know, it just it just it just looks really gnarly, and you just need to like do more than just put a band aid on it, and that's what yeah, happened. yeah, and it just it's the whole statement about apologizing that for any confusion that may have caused. There's nothing confusing about it. There was no confusion. It was clear that Twisby was attempting to control retailers' choice to purchase one brand or another. And they were deliberately trying to suppress the sale of narwhal pens to retailers. That's why he was demanding declarations of loyalty to Twisby over narwhal. And if you didn't mm -hmm. declare that in clear terms via communication, then you just didn't get your orders. Those people who didn't declare that declaration of loyalty did not get their orders. So there's no confusion. So you're apologizing for the wrong thing. You, the real apology comes in the form of, like you said, making things whole again. If you didn't fill an order, fill it. That's right. If you failed to send a retailer their order that they placed, send it. If Plus after that on a special edition, yeah, like if know, after get, that get order, front line to get the new one, you know, that's yeah. Sort of thing. And if after that order, right, I think I just scratched myself to bleed. Am I bleeding? No? No. So if after that order you fulfill, after you come through with everything beforehand, and then you decide, you know what, Tom's a dick. I don't want to do business with him anymore. And that's your choice, right? Isn't that his choice, Phil's choice at Twisby? That's his choice. Great. Make that decision. But fix what you broke first and then move on. That's the way I see it needs to be. So anyway, that's that's where I stand. I know, Tom, that you wanted to have Frank on the show to talk about this and stuff like that. And, you know, I know Frank and he's a young guy. He's a smart fucking kid and I like him, but I honestly just didn't want to have him on the show to talk about this because he's not going to be able to give us anything that we don't already know because it's confidential. And if we're going to talk about perspective on something like this, I would also need to have Philip on the show. If I could, if I knew that I can get Philip on the show and he was going to be willing to talk, which he won't because he barely responds to any, he doesn't 
at least to anyone else other than retailers and even retailers, he won't respond via email. So if I can't get both sides of the coin on this one, I think it's just fair and in the in the what do you call it in the interest of being fair and impartial, I think it's important not to have Frank on to discuss this if we're not going to have Phil on to discuss this because I don't want to be unfair to Twisby either. You know what I mean? So our discussion also, on also this too whole is thing, that being that there's a confidential part of it and that there is a legal statement that there have been legal uh, implications involved. You don't want to have him coming and then saying the wrong thing that, you know, that then could get him into trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And you know how I am. I'm, I carefully monitor stuff. So if, if he says or if he says anything, I would be familiar with the terms of what he is not able to do, say, and what he is able to say and do. And if he were about to violate that or anything like that, I would just stop him or cut him off. But in order to do that, I'd have to be very familiar with, I guess, the confidentiality agreement, which is research that I don't have time or desire to do. But basically, I wanted to discuss this from an unbiased perspective as much as I can be. And Frank being on the show would taint that unbiased perspective because I'm looking at this from my own perspective, I didn't discuss this with anybody. I didn't even discuss it with you before the show. But this statement to me is lukewarm and it does not seem genuine. It seems in, uh, disingenuous. In addition to seeming disingenuous, it didn't resolve what the public sees as half of the issue. Because it wasn't just between Twisby and Narwhal. It was between Twisby, retailers, and Narwhal. It was a trifecta of damage. And Twisby and Narwhal agreed to it, but great. Twisby did what they had to do. Narwhal did what they had to do. They're both benefiting from it. So what? Fuck the retailers now at this point? And I hold both of them responsible. the The onus is then on the retailers to do something on their end if they're not feeling that they're made whole of this. That's where I, that's, right. that's my, because, because like the one company, the manufacturers can't, let's say, speak on behalf of their retailers and say, oh, well, you know, I lost this much in sales and this traffic or whatever. Sure. I think the retailers themselves need to be able to say something on that. And I mean, it's, and it's also very nebulous too, because like, how would you know? I, I mean, like knowing from one pen launch to another, how would you know how well the Twisby swipe and pair was going to sell this time around versus when the salmon was introduced. Right. You know, like so you don't, you know, I get it. How, how would it's, you be able to tell that? Yeah. It's on the, it, the onus is on the retailers. I get it. And I right. totally understand it. How many retailers are actually going to do something about it? And the, the answer to the question is very few. And it's, I know why, and I can tell you why very few will do anything about it because most of them, if they had if they had it in them to do anything about it now they would have had it in them not to just bend to the will of Frank at I'm sorry Phil at Twisby in the beginning so i don't think that any retailers that played ball in the beginning will do anything about it now 
And I don't think retailers that didn't play ball in the beginning will do anything about it now because the damages are already done. In order to get reparation for those damages, they have to spend money on attorneys. It would be a battle that they definitely could win, but it would cost more than what they benefit. So the few retailers that decided, you know what, I'm not going to play ball with this guy, Philip at Twisby, are now in the position where if they do something about the damages that Twisby caused them legally, it would just in the long run hurt them financially more. So everybody's just going to let it go. Okay? You think so? And I do. I do. If I were a retailer, and I wouldn't be a good retailer, number one, but if I were one, I would find out that at the end of this whole thing, I didn't have to comply and with Twisby, that is. And because I didn't comply, I lost out. I want Twisby to fix what I lost out on, but they're not going to. So the only way to make them is to take legal action, which will cost me more money than the benefit of had I not lost out in the first place. Do you understand Right. what I'm trying to say? Because yep. there's a lot of words in there. I got good words, but <laughs> no, I'm after about two seconds. Yeah. So I just don't see any retailers doing anything about it. I think they're just going to cut their losses and take the L instead of spend more money and take greater losses for a small win. So this is where I'm saying all the retailers, whether they played ball in the beginning or not, are just victims of this whole thing. And there's no actual acknowledgement or actual apology to retailers outside of apologizing for any confusion that may have been caused, which to me is such a lukewarm, dirty bathtub water apology. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and then the statement out of abundance of caution and for the avoidance of doubt, neither Twisby nor Narwhal will stop conducting business with retailers that choose to carry both brands or products. And then following up by saying, but we can we can do whatever we want with who we sell to. I think that shouldn't be a statement that's retroactive to the start of this whole debacle. It should be a statement that reflects actions that happen after the conclusion of this whole debacle. And I think that it would be, I think it would behoove Twisby to retroactively fix everything that they have done and from there move on. Like I said, if Twisby decides to fulfill those orders that these retailers who didn't bend to the will of Philip, right? If they go back and they fix it and fill those holes and make it whole, and then after that, they're like, you know what? It was hostile. I don't like how we had our conversations. I'm just not going to do business with you anymore. That's their choice. But... I think if you're going to say out of abundance of caution and for the avoidance of doubt, we're not going to stop doing business with you, then then step up to what you're saying. Right. So, I don't know. Well, I, it has yet to be seen. I don't. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't like I don't like the tactic. I don't like bullies, but I also there, there's an issue with also not just this whole thing, but what has kind of come to the surface as a result of this whole thing 
And that is a lot of people getting upset and understandably like, listen, I'm upset about it, but no matter how upset I'm, I'm about it, I am going to recognize and I'm not going to forget the fact that Twisby has done more for the fountain pen community than they have harmed the fountain pen community. And people being imperfect creatures on this planet will fuck up, make bad choices and make bad decisions. Just like art not being art because it's perfect, people aren't people because they're perfect. They fuck up, they make mistakes. And I understand how everybody is like, listen, I'm not, I'm so upset with this whole thing. I'm not going to buy Twisby anymore. Well, listen, I don't believe the proper course of action is the absence of Twisby. I don't think that people should stop buying Twisby. I think that once this is all settled and done, and I think even now, just if you want a Twisby pen, buy a Twisby pen. If it'll make you happy, then do it. But don't boycott them because of this whole thing, right? I think that canceling Twisby is not the right way to go about it. Because in all, yeah, I don't think, in I don't all think fairness, anybody is in the power to cancel them. No, you know, but I, I think the, I think that, especially with with like with like you know being there, there's so many different options out there in yeah. the marketplace. People have their choice of yeah what it is that they want to buy, and especially sure. as as like as like discretionary funds, let's say, become even tighter and tighter as I would expect with the upcoming recession that we're all going to be enduring here in the United States, is that it's going to be even more selective about where do you want to spend your money to, because like, because like a fountain pen is it's yeah, granted it is a very useful item, but mm -hmm. it is not a necessity. It's not it a, is, yeah, it's not a, necess a it is a necessary want. product. So you have so many different options out there and you do your research, you look it up, you look up like, you know, what kind of what kind of pens you want, whatever. Twisby ends up being a pen that gets recommended fairly early in the process. So it's a Listen, starter fountain pen. It's very yeah, economical. Not, not for nothing. I still recommend Twisby Ecos to people who come to me and like, hey, I want to spend about 20, 30 bucks. What do you recommend? A good starter pen. Twisby Eco. The owner might be a jerk, but the Twisby Eco for sure is a great and a fantastic starter pen. But that see, the, and the, the thing is, is that people people who are getting into the hobby are not going to know about all of the things that go on with the various manufacturers and vendors. They're not sure. going to know all the backstories to them. It's the ones that have been in it for a while who have, let's say, yeah. collected a bunch of them, or who have, let's say, bought Twisby as like their kind of their their first pens, and then they still use them, but then they have like other you know pens that they've then gone on to that are mm -hmm. Gold Nib and Piston Fill, whatever. So, it, so they they're going to be the ones. So people have been in the hobby, follow social media, are that are invested in this, that will know this, and that won't be able to very easily forgive and forget about this. And and those are the ones that you'll see them comment and chime in about their their feelings regarding it. So that when let's say somebody is new and they're jumping into the hobby and they're doing some of their research, they're looking up like well what is a good first fountain pen and then they start looking up it's like oh well, let me look up look 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 up twisby all of a sudden then you would see let's say these articles that appeared on reddit 
the, the copy to the the Twisby versus Narwhal, blah blah blah, and then you're like, wait, what is going on here? And then you start to go down this rabbit hole, and then you're like, oh, that, but that that I don't think is going to happen as much because people don't do that much. I mean, I know some people sure. do, but not everybody does. Everybody, but what my, most people are going to do is they're going to look at it, they're going to be like, this is a pretty solid looking starter fountain pen. It's right in my price price range. A lot of people seem to like it because it's got good feedback, good reviews, whatever. I'm going to buy it. Right. right. So that's my point about what I was saying about Twisby having done more for the fountain pen community than hurting the fountain pen community. Knowing everything I know about this whole thing and being unhappy with this statement, both from Twisby and from Narwhal. If a person came up to me, I want them to have the best beginner experience possible. And that's why I would still recommend the Twisby. Forget about the fact that that Philip at Twisby is a jerk and he yells at people and he treats his retailers like they're subservient and they're nothing to him. The product stands and speaks for itself. So as we move forward, maybe his personality will change. Maybe his demeanor and the way he treats people changes. Who knows? But to the person who's asking me about a brand new pen and it's their first one that's over 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something like that, I think Twisby is definitely a good option. Somebody reached out to me and is like, hey, add this hashtag to your post. And it says hashtag cancel Twisby. I responded back to them. I will not add that to my post because I'm not about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take up arms against somebody's somebody or them or the, I, but I will speak my voice about behavior that I disagree with. And as much as I disagree with Philip from Twisby, if let's say he called you screaming at you saying he wants to be on the show, I'll have him on the show, but then I'll also have Frank on the show and vice versa. I'll have Frank on the show but I won't have them without the other half of this whole thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I got you. It's just, it, so, you know, as, as tight as, you know, we are with Frank, we'll have him on the show again to talk about stuff unrelated to this, but not to discuss a perspective because it's only half of the perspective. There's a lot of questions left with this statement that he won't be able to answer. And even if he can't and he wants to talk about it in the interest of being fair and impartial, then I would also need to have Philip on, which if I can't have, then I'm not gonna have either on. Gotcha. So that's why when you were talking to me about having him on, I was against it. Because I know Phil is not a friendly person. And if he gets in my face with shit, it'll be a problem. So there's that. I'm just going to leave this whole discussion with this. The statement is, at best, lukewarm. It doesn't seem at all genuine. And no, I'm not happy with it. I'm glad that Twisby and Narwhal were able to shake hands on this thing with their confidential settlement agreement. But there are still retailers who are victims who have not been addressed and have not have not been made whole. And I don't know if that will happen. Only time will tell based on future exchanges between Twisby and retailers. I know for sure Narwhal isn't stopping business with anybody. This guy, Frank, 
he's at shows right now as we speak. He's engaging with people, talking to people, and he's hey, a smart to kid. This weekend, yeah, he's a smart kid. He's not going to talk shit about people, right? But at the same time, I, I don't know if I'm ha- like I said, I'm not happy with this whole statement. The statement is, I, I just not it's not conclusive. You know what I am really happy about? What is the amount of responses that I received? Or the amount of questions I received from the giveaway on Instagram, if you saw that. Oh, yeah? Oh, we're going to announce yeah. the winner, right? Well, oh. winners. Because I have... Winner, winner chicken I Actually, I have not been the most, let's say, uh, like, responsive when it comes to making all of these. Because, like, you, you, you basically, you buy a, an ink flight box every month with the, with the intent that I give it away to somebody. Right. And I have not been as like diligent about doing that so we actually do have what do we have we have three i could do three and actually july is coming up so i could even do four i could do a july Mm. and i could do three june boxes so we could pick four questions total and then that way i could be current it'll make me feel better go for it let's hear the questions Oh, we have hey. tons, but I'm saying we have. Yeah. I'm happy with the response because we have over 100 questions. Nice. But I know I can't pick all 100 of them. So, you do you have the Instagram page up? Maybe I could share it on. Uh, I could try sharing it on this thing here. Yeah, maybe you could screen share it. Let's see. The Chrome tab. Uh, Man, it is hot as balls in here, and I don't even want to turn the AC on because I don't want to cause, like, a background humming noise. Okay, I got it up here. Let's see. Which question – so if we read the question and answer it, that means they won, correct? Uh, Yes. So let's – So are you – have you already picked them, or are we picking them now? We're picking them now. (laughs) Oh, shit. So we got to read 100 questions and pick one? Well, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to just kind of like like cruise over them, and then mm. you know we could go back in and and you know like it's like anything that just particularly stands out to you, like as I'm scrolling here. Mm. You're going whoa whoa stop 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 stop. <laughs> now see, I'm wondering if if anybody's actually going to so... be able to see this on the live on the the uh, not the live the uh, the video part of it. They probably can't, actually. They probably won't be able to, but I'm looking at one question that I really love at the top of the screen. You okay. see that one right there, right? Yes, I do. I, I don't want to read it out loud because if I read it out loud, it means he instantly wins, correct? Yes. Okay, so well, this, this one has got to be a winner, this top okay. one here. I'll, I'll, you know can, what? I'm can, writing it down right now. So okay. I will write it down so that we could look, at, we could look back at it, but let's, uh, let's okay. keep on scrolling here. Okay, we'll keep on scrolling. So, so we're going through. For everybody listening who's not watching on the YouTube channel, there's. <laughs> I like this one here also at the bottom. There's a lot of questions, and we're scrolling through them. <laughs> and I like I like that one also. There's one, and so the rules of the giveaway was you have to go to Ink Journal Instagram. And you have to just ask a question in the comments, and you'll win an ink flight box. So instead of picking one winner, we're actually picking what four? You said yes. Okay. Hold on a second. 
Okay, do you see the one that's just about at the top where it says the S with the turquoise color icon? Yes. That one right there, right at the top. I like that one also. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Got so it. we're looking through the questions. Now, Tom has read through them all already. So I picked, what did I pick already? Two or three? You picked two. Okay. Yeah. So you pick the next two, and while you're, we're talking about that, you know, somebody actually mentioned, now that I'm using video, am I going to use a visual component to this whole thing? Because I think last time, because we're so used to recording just audio, I didn't even bother to show pens or anything like that. But I do want to talk about some pens, or actually, yeah, a couple of pens. One, you remember my 149? Yes. My Mont Blanc 149? So out of the box, and just so everybody knows, I got this from Fountain Pen Hospital. Please visit fountainpenhospital.com and do your best. I know the website is archaic, but the owners of Fountain Pen Hospital are like 80,000 years old. They're doing the best they can. And they, they're just not able to, they're not able to keep up with with the new generation of fountain pen online retailers. They're the last remaining oh, don't brick and say mortar that. store. They're trying. You're making them sound like they're going to go out of business tomorrow. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm saying is they're, they're just behind when it comes to online sales and online sales is about 80% of their business. And the reason why they're behind, I think honestly is because they're just outdated with regard to technology and online websites and stuff like that. You'll know what I mean. If you go to fountainpenhospital.com, it's the website is horrible. But you can still place orders there and remind them that they're still relevant, being that even though they're the one and last brick and mortar remaining in New York State, we can still remind them that they're relevant and that we care about them. Just put an order through. If you walk in there, mention me to Terry, the owner, and maybe he'll he'll help you out and stuff. But anyway, I know I'm plugging them, but they're good people. But anyway, I had this pen. I got this Mont Blanc 149 from Fountain Pen Hospital, and out of the box, it wrote, it's a fine. It had a sticker on it that said fine, but I honestly think it was a double broad. So <laughs> I wanted a fine. Honestly, it's a but, double broad. <laughs> yeah. So I sent it out to J.J. Lax, our good friend J.J. Lax, and he ground it down to a fine, and now it's fantastic. So, nice. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But I also received a package, and the package was from my friend Neve, the, what is he, vice president of Yaffa Brands? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and he hooked it up, son, but he sent me some pretty awesome product, starting with, the Monteverde Mega Fountain Pen. Oh, no, I no, no, no. love it's the Super this. Mega. I, the you know, mega. I didn't, I didn't realize it was a Super Mega. But isn't it a bit redundant to say Super Mega? Like, it do is, you really but need to say Super? To, the the whole the whole idea is that it's a it's an obnoxiously large pen, so you kind of have to go with the obnoxious description for it as well so I, I applaud them on that i think that was a good job yeah on their it part. is funny i didn't realize it was a super mega when i uploaded my video to instagram reels and tiktok and youtube but this pen is a ginormous pen 
it does feel so it's very girthy and right. it's a big pen and i want to give you guys an idea i know you can't see if you're listening but from top to bottom the difference in height between the super mega the monteverdi super mega and the Montblanc 149 is about one millimeter the Montblanc 149 being one millimeter taller but when it comes to girth and width I would say outside of the what you call it the concave shape right that the thickness is on par with the 149 if not thicker but the grip section is narrower and it's made of metal so this is such a cool pen I know that someone on Instagram said that they post it I mean, you can post it. It just becomes, what do you call I, it? No, it, the ones that I had, the ones the ones that I was testing out did not post. How were you able to get yours to post? Just post it. Just, you know. It does not post. Well, I'm, I'm showing not. you the pen posted. I'm showing it to you right I now. Am, I, I am telling you the ones that were at my, on my desk that I was using mm-hmm. for... Because you saw, you must have seen my video for it, the the TikTok. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I have to say that that was hilarious. I, I think you're fantastic at voiceovers. I think you just. But my even my dad was me. like, "Who did that? Who did the voiceover?" I was like, "That yeah. was me." <laughs> yeah. No, it was fantastic. I really, really liked it. And then that same day, Bryce did one on the what was it? The pen wipe. The. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. The D. The but D. His, Charles thing. Yeah, the D. Charles pen wipe, but his was a paltry attempt. It was just, I'm like, come on. <laughs> you got to do better than that guy. I mean, he tried. I liked the attempt, but it was it was pretty sad. You know what he wrote on his? He said, I had to conjure up my inner pen boy Roy for this one. Uh, I was just going to tell him, listen, keep conjuring, man. Keep conjuring. Well, that's <laughs> that's where I, I was going. When I finished doing it, and I was like, I was like, you know what? This This does sound like something that Roy has done in the last, like, few months but just not in the in like the whole ed sort of way you know so but but like it just was uh it it, it was just like still in that the the voiceover was in the spirit of that though ed what do you mean ed like like erectile dysfunction you know oh the whole i wasn't what are you talking about erectile what does that have to do with anything weirdo just saying like the the whole the whole kind of underlying concept of like the the, the mega thing was that it's like, oh, well, it's like, it's, you know, related to penises somehow. So, okay, there you go. Yeah, it was just, it was just a play on, it wasn't, yes. I don't think I was referring to erectile dysfunction. I was talking about small dicks, right? Okay. I mean, that's the innuendo, yeah. right? Yes. But I think that video that you did on the mega ball was fantastic. I didn't even, I didn't even, like, at the time, I didn't even think that. I just thought you were doing your own thing because the character of it and the way you nuanced words and stuff like that was your own style. You know what I mean? I think that the voiceover that you did was fantastic. It it didn't have anything to do with me at all is what I was thinking. So the only reason I associated Bryce's with me is because he actually mentioned me. But if – but – Absent that, I wasn't thinking, oh, he's doing voiceovers because I did it. I was just thinking, oh, that's hilarious. You know what I mean? But you should do more of those. But the Mega, the Super Mega is – that's how you say the Super Mega. Super Mega. I love it. It's hilarious. 
And I think that this pen is so cool. I was using it to take notes while studying all night yesterday. And it's got a Yovo stainless steel nib. It's branded Monteverde, has a cheapy plastic feed. It's the cartridge converter. But man, there's so much carbon fiber and metal on this pen. It's just awesome. I can't imagine yeah. anybody not liking this pen. It is so awesome. I love it. I love it a lot. And that's it's, and that was a, a, a pen that when we had Yair on the show, remember he teased it like the night before that, yeah. that it was introduced to the world. And he was so excited about it because he was like, he's like, this is where Monteverde got its start with the carbon fiber and and uh, and we're making a bigger, it's like, a, we're making this pen huge. It's going to have so much carbon fiber. It's going to be gigantic. And, and it's going to be a pen that if it was made by any other manufacturer, would be paying like hundreds of dollars and we're going to make it real affordable. So that's, mm -hmm. that's it definitely lived up to my expectations of what he was I talking mean, about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not an elegant looking pen by any stretch of the imagination. This thing is almost big to the point of being a joke. <laughs> but I can't imagine anybody not liking it. It is just awesome. Look at that pen post. It posts, right? I know you can't post yours for some reason, but I'm showing it I to tried. you right now in I front of I, you. Look. I, I, yeah. I tried. Terry Bullet Journal also said that it posts. Ah. Uh, maybe, maybe they sent you duds on purpose. I maybe they're know. going, you know, maybe they're going the way of screwing you over because you're doing <laughs> business with other brands. I don't know. But, All right, so oh, let's, uh, yeah, let's, this one. let's pick some winners. Okay. Let's pick some winners because I, I picked the other I picked the other two. Okay. So, all right. So I'm showing up on the screen here. The first one that you were that you were mentioning. So this is uh, welcome to the world underscore with Sean. Right. Says uh, if you can meet anyone fictional or real from any time, what pen would you give them? So he lists uh, Ellie from Last of Us, Brendan Fraser, or Mozart, for example. So, I mean, obviously, so, watches the podcast all the time to understand right. those references. So, Yeah. So if I could meet anyone, fiction or real, from any period of time, what would you give them? What fountain pen, I'm assuming, would I give them? <laughs> That's a t you know what I had all this time to think about it and I didn't even think about it because I was too busy or <laughs> too busy yammering and shit holy cow mm -hmm. oh that's a tough one if I could meet any person see this is tough because this means I have to narrow it down to one person so I have to make sure that this this is an this is a critical answer because this is the, the one chance that I get I don't know you go first Tom. I, first person that came to mind was one of my favorite writers, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, and he's a he's a guy that grew up in the Midwest, and like you know, of course, a writer, novelist, and I would give him an Edison fountain pen because Edisons also come from the Midwest; they come from Illinois, so or no, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he's he's a he's from Indiana, and. You know, Edison being Ohio, I think that works pretty well. I think mm. that would be a pretty cool pen to give him. So, so I was thinking about it. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I was thinking about it, but I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not, I don't know how, I don't, I want to share this, but I want to preface it with saying this is not in any way like a sob story 
or me saying, oh, you know, give me sympathy or anything like that, you know? So this is oh, going to be, this is going to get, yeah, this is hardcore personal shit. Should I get my tissues? Get no. My tissues? No, no, no. It's not sad like no. that. But so, okay. you know, I always, I always see people who say, if I could go back and do it all over again, I wouldn't change anything. Right. And I respect those okay. people. My, I'm not the same way. So I am where I am because of all the decisions I've made throughout my life, but I've made a lot of bad decisions that I can't take back. And I have a lot of regret and it's because of that regret that I make sure that if someone is ever going to hate me or love me, it's going to be because I'm doing the right thing, which I haven't done a lot when I was a young man. One of those things that I genuinely regret in my whole life, one of the biggest regrets I have is not being a good grandson to my my grandmother on my father's side, right? So my father's mother. And all she's ever done was care about me and love me, but I just was not a good grandson. So if I could meet anybody at any point in time, I would go back as far as I can to where I'm old enough to be able to speak clearly and I guess give her my Nino Marino Natuno 1911 Penboy Roy Savage Edition Fountain Pen one of one because that pen is very important mm -hmm. to me. So that's what I would do. I would go back. Yeah. And then from that point on, I would I would do everything I can to be to be uh, the grandson she deserved. That's what I would do. Oh, I mean, definitely, it's a uh, it's if if you're gonna do that to and and give that as a gift to somebody, yeah, I, I mean, I I can't argue with that. Mm. It, do, it does it does it does uh make me feel all warm on the inside. That might yeah. be because the air conditioner is off right now, but I just feel mine too on the inside yeah. and outside. <laughs> and this shirt is soft. The shirt, Pentertainment Podcast shirt that you had given me is really soft, so it, it makes me feel fuzzy. <laughs> but yeah, all right. On to do. the next one. Yeah, let's go to the next one. The next one we had. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this uh, so is this one here, right? Yeah. Okay, so I have Skogzy underscore pens I think right that, that's if that's how you pronounce it uh mm -hmm. what are some things that are turnoffs when you see a pen are there visual cues that show you that a certain pen won't work for you or that you won't like it hmm when you see a pen what are turnoffs well this question needs more elaboration like does that mean I can't touch the pen or it has to be visual alone. And I'm assuming that's what it is because most pen purchases are online. Yeah. So, or, it. or let's say I, I immediately go to thinking like if you're browsing a pen show and you see trays right. of pens and they're just pens, you know, all over the place, you would see a pen and you'd be like, mm, not for me. Mm. Like what are those know, characteristics man. about that pen that just you know, are a non-starter for you. Gee, that's a tough one. I'm so across the board and accepting and 
inclusive of all pens except the oh if it's a ballpoint pen boom bitch <laughs> ballpoint yeah yeah because it doesn't specify yeah because it says when you see a pen right so yeah so all jokes aside i get bothered by knockoff pens right so like if i'm at a show and i see what looks like a schaefer balance from the 90s at like a vintage table but it turns out it's actually the what's that chinese brand that just completely copies the schaefer balance i think it's wingsung 60 something I, so. I think i can't remember yeah that that all completely turned me off to a pen if it's a complete and total knockoff like if i think it's a leonardo memento zero but it's actually the moon man m 800 or m100 whatever it is that looks exactly like the memento zero yeah yeah that's that's a that's a huge turnoff for me yeah that's pretty yeah, i would much have to it. say i would have to say looking at the pen and seeing that it's a it's a ballpoint pen immediately would not be a <laughs> uh an attractive you stole thing. my answer it man. Was like a mechanical pencil yeah I, I get to cool. steal some you know i get to steal some answers from you for girl first that's all right okay um I, it's like i don't know if i see the the visconti arch uh bridge clip i might not be so inclined to you know go Why? over and you don't be like visconti like, oh, i'm not a fan not a fan really seen seen like way visconti. too many of them at at way too high of a cost not be made well enough you know to justify mm. it fair enough so fair enough yeah that's that's uh i, I kind of feel the same way about Peniter as well so oh man be... dude i just got a new paniter la grande baleza piston filler rocco right oh i love this thing love it love it oh i want to talk about it a little bit so <laughs> look at the acrylic it's like this rocky looking acrylic it's really nice you've seen this before in the original paniter avatars vibrant this one is the red one i love the black trim I love the simplicity of its construction too, because I've taken this thing apart from top to bottom. And okay. it's really easy to take apart. It's not like the mystery filler type taken apart thing, but it's just, I think, I'm not sure. I was texting Dante earlier, yesterday rather. I think it's glueless. I can't remember if I asked him that, but it's just, it's a very well-constructed pen. It's, I think it's like 300 bucks, less than 300, right? But it's it, got a the, steel nib on it? It's got a steel nib, which is really cool. But check this out. The clip is not the Larganda Beleza clip. It's kind of like a skeletal clip, which looks really cool. So it's like a skeletal okay. feather. The center band, I believe, is metal. And here's the important thing. Here's the thing that I think that is a really an upgrade. The section that has these little oval ink windows. Ink windows? Yeah. This, yeah, this, this section is made of metal. And the reason why that's critical to me is because these little ovals are separated by little i get how would you call this these this little ovals but in between the ovals those little bridges in between the ovals on plastic okay. versions can crack because they're so thin but since this is metal that's not going to happen and then it also has the magnetic soft touch thing it's got the piston filler and i don't know it's it's such an accessible la grande beleza because every other Lagrande Valetza they started with, they started with the very first one, which was a cartridge converter. That was like 700 bucks. 
Then they had the right. carbon fiber one, which was almost $1,000. You know how I felt about that one. They had the Arco, which was kind of like an emulation of celluloid with the gold hyperflex nib. This one is just a stainless steel black nib with black trim and a very vi vibrant red acrylic. I love this. I love this a lot. It writes really well, too. Out of the box, I didn't have any problems that we talked about with Bach nibs with Kirk Spear last week. Didn't have any problems. Okay. It's just, it's awesome. Huge ink capacity. This is a fantastic pen. And it is totally in the same color scheme as the Penboy Roy channel. Exactly. Red and black. The black and red. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it funny I didn't incorporate green, even though green is my favorite color? That is weird, but, you know? Yeah. But listen, I know you're not a fan of Paniter, but this La Grande Valetza, oh, I love it. I do. Hey, I'm glad that the orchestra got it right this time. Yeah. You're referencing what we talked about. Well, yeah. Okay. Yes, and, and many, many episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, next question. Okay. Question number three. Winner number three. I also have this, okay, too. This is so really cool. Next question mm -hmm. I picked out was from Jay Lan. Uh, here it says, oh, and how do you get residual shimmer out of a pen? I've ra Raven to use in a baby toothbrush on the feet. So... I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty interesting to to answer that one because uh, was there I a first part to just, that question? It was. Uh, I don't know, but it was just basically how do you get residual shimmer out of a pen? Okay. So what the whole pen, the feed, the nib unit? What are we talking about? So if it's just the feed and the nib unit, or if it's just the you know the nib unit or the feed, I throw it in an ultrasonic cleaner and run it in water. That really that really does help. Ultrasonic cleaners are super cheap. You can get it for like 20, 40 bucks on Amazon and just fill the body of the ultrasonic cleaner with water to whatever level it's supposed to be at. And if you don't want to have to put it in the actual ultrasonic cleaner, just take a shot glass, fill it to the same height of water, and put the shot glass into the ultrasonic cleaner. That's what Linda Kennedy does when I see her at shows. So that way the whole body of water is not getting inky, but it's just the shot glass, which really That's seems cool to work. Tip, yeah. Yeah, and that seems to work with cleaning a lot of stuff. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just unscrew the nib unit because I don't want to have to pull out the nib and feed and then clean it. So I'll just take the whole nib unit, I'll dunk it in the ultrasonic cleaner or the shot glass, and I'll let it run for whatever the few minutes it does. And then after that, I'll take a the aspirator bulb mm -hmm. and I'll run water through it because the ultrasonic cleaner will dislodge the particles and you'll need to run water through it to just get it to pass. So a lot of okay. times these shimmering inks or ink particles will stick and you need the ultrasonic cleaner to dislodge it. And then you need to run water through it. As a matter of fact, if you don't do the ultrasonic cleaner, sometimes they stick so much that even if you run water through it with an aspirator bulb, it won't clear it. So that's why it's good to use an ultrasonic cleaner. You buy one, it lasts for years. It's like 40 bucks yeah, on Amazon. That's... It's 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 relatively inexpensive considering the pens that you're cleaning, as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're cleaning a, you know, hundred, two hundred dollar, five hundred dollar pen. You're putting it in like a thirty dollar ultrasonic cleaner and yeah. You know, or even if you're cleaning twenty dollar pens and you have a bunch of them, you know, it's just yeah. the value comes in over time. Yeah, and they last a long so, time. But I, I sure. usually I'm I opt for the old school method of I I have like an old toothbrush that I used to clean stuff with. And I will mm -hmm. just take the nib and feed. For example, I have a mnemosyne or nemocene, whatever how you pronounce it. 
but I use Demisign. this pen for shimmer inks all the time because mm -hmm. I could just remove the nib and feed straight out and it's really easy to put it back into. So I just mm -hmm. clean the whole thing out. Done. Mm. So I like to take out the nib unit just because a lot of times ink gets caught between the section and the nib unit also. Mm -hmm. So that way I can clean the actual section. And yeah. I just I just feel like that's like a lot of work scrubbing it with a toothbrush and stuff. It's, it's really just not. So it's much... just it is if it's like in there for a long time. But if if it's mm -hmm. not in there for very long, you just do like a little scrub under the running water and it pretty much comes out quickly. So Yeah, but the thing is a lot gets caught between the feed and the actual nib back within back that's hidden under the collar of the nib unit housing. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to get rid of. The, a lot of times you could, you know, I've done this. I've left nib units soaking in a cup of water overnight, and then I come back and I run water through it and think it's clean. But if I pull out the nib and feed, there's ink still there. Yep. So w that's why I like the ultrasonic cleaner method because after you do that, you could take out the nib and feed and check. There's no ink caught anywhere. The ultrasonic cleaner just vibrates vibrates it loose and then you run water through it and then it's just or, or try this the next time you do that with one of your pens you think you got it and you didn't ultrasonic clean it throw it in the ultrasonic cleaner let it run for five minutes later you're going to be like holy shit there was ink in here you know why because even though you thought it was clean the water is blue or black or whatever color right. ink that you were using you know what i mean so i'm a big proponent yeah. of throwing your nib units into ultrasonic cleaners because it really does loosen particles that wouldn't otherwise be dislodged just with scrubbing or rinsing alone true okay so, so last, last one let's look up last one is it emekas underscore b what are some up-and-coming fountain pens ink brands that we should be aware of hmm well we need to get a clarified definition of what exactly some uh what exactly small up and coming constitutes uh so, let's say i mean i mean like just like a general i mean we don't have to be super specific with the definition here just you so know, is small and up and coming something that's... something that's distributed or not distributed is it something that is like seeing you know what i mean like small and up and coming doesn't have to it's just not on everybody's radar let's just say that okay yeah gee i mean there's so much that i can talk about you want to go first or do you want me to go first because i got shit on my mind right now i had one that came to mind i would say uh gravitas pens i was actually thinking that you fucking yes gravitas yes got it before ben Walsh you with gravitas got it before you <laughs> yeah I think that's a good one. Gravitas, that's, they make some pretty, pretty like new looking pens. I love the fact that he uses his social media, particularly Instagram, to mm -hmm. throw up some of these crazy designs. Like he does CAD, he does these CAD drafts, like computerized mm -hmm. 3D models of what his pens will look like in concept kind of like yeah that's cool car years before it actually gets it comes out gets people so amped up over it. he's like yeah that looks great and then he's like 
all right, let me see if I can make it happen. And yeah. for the most part, he makes it happen exactly as advertised, which is impressive. Yeah. You know, if we were talking, having the same conversation three, four years ago, I would say Leonardo Officina Italiana. Mm-hmm. If we were having this conversation three years ago. But since we're not, I'm going to actually bring up this puppy right here. This is a brand oh, that has caught caught my eye. This is a Turkish brand called Kilk, and they make some spanking products. Their pens are acrylic. They use sterling silver appointments like in the clip and this center band. And they're very well polished. They're very well made. They use Bach nibs. They're on my radar. They make some really interesting stuff. I really like it. And also, I know they've been around for a while, but they're not distributed and therefore they're kind of small. Not everybody knows about them is Wancher. I love the Wancher pens. Right. They're also, I feel like, small and up and coming. I mean, I want to say Nino Marino stuff, but I guess he's not small or up and coming because he's distributed through Yaffa Brands, one of the biggest distributors in the in the world. But I, I love this pen here. This is the Adventus. This is yeah, Nino's the Mayora been around Adventus. in the industry for like, what? 40 plus like years 40 already, years right? so he's not really up and coming and his brand is kind of not but i just i do love this adventus this is this is the adventus in whatever yellow crack flake, flake acrylic i know what you're gonna say it looks like the memento zero but it's it's very different from the memento zero it's more girthy. it looks it's it looks got, somewhat like a cross between a memento zero and the ferrari models because the ferrari would come in that yellow marbled acrylic no it's a different yellow this one is this one's the same yellow that's used in the the whatchamacallit the esterbrook sunflower yeah yeah yeah. so but the thing is what i love about this is the section what what i love about this adventus is the section is super comfortable even though it's really concave and obviously Mm -hmm. you know like like leonardo rather nino uses this and so does salvatore the metal piston knob but i like the little detail here do you see that little indention in the end of it right it, like that's an intentional design so that if you wanted to fill the pen i keep getting ink on my fingers here but that's okay if you want to fill the pen using the blind cap it actually has this really nice looking design it's unnecessary wiping out my black shirt it's unnecessary <laughs> but it's an intentional design that they did on purpose. They didn't have to. And I mean, I really like it. There's a cup inside. It's not spring-loaded, but it keeps the whole thing sealed. I very much like the Mayora Adventist. And it's it's a competitive price, too. I think it's under 200 bucks. Cool. And, and it has a Yovo nib. Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, everything goes yeah. with the Yovo nib. <laughs> That's not true. I just showed you pens that are Bach nibs, like the Kilk uses a Bach nib. Well, yeah, I'm right? saying most of, okay, the not Peniter. everything, but most of everything. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Right? So, uh, ink-wise, though, I would say up and coming is Wearing Yule. That's a Never heard of South it. Korean ink company. The one that does hmm. the Jekyll and Hyde set, or also they have the, the literary ones where there's, you might have seen them on, like, also Pen Shelley's done some social stuff with that. With like mm. showing the the ink swatches and stuff, they do uh, they do like Alice in Wonderland set, they do okay. a uh, Wizard of Oz, 
where they have the different colors are named after there's like the tin man the cowardly lion and stuff and then Uh. they actually have a component that they call it i think magical glitter potion that you could then infuse with the colors to make them shimmer Mm -hmm. so that's that's pretty cool i like that concept and then the jekyll and hyde one actually comes as a set where you could inject just like like just like with dr jekyll mr hyde like you inject one with the other and then it becomes like this super sheeny ink it's like it's pretty cool like the whole concept and stuff but it's Mm -hmm. overall good quality inks and and they've got some interesting uh multi-layered stories with each of them so that's a that's a and they and they're brand practically brand new like no one's heard of them like a year ago so i see yeah so when it comes to inks you know me i'm pretty boring i mean can i just tell you what is pretty much in all my pens just because of its utility noodler's black that's pretty much it yeah and if i'm doing any kind yeah it's easy to clean i just don't think that it's I know a lot of people think that Noodler's Black or Noodler's Inks corrode stuff. There are definitely Noodler's Inks that if you put it into your pen and after a month of using it, like the feed will just crumble and you'll be like, what the fuck? But Noodler's Black is really safe. It doesn't dissolve sacks. It doesn't take much to clean out. It's really easy to clean. And being that it's quote unquote bulletproof means it has a lot of forge resistance I'm still one of those people that write checks and stuff and mail it. So there is always the potential to have that intercepted by a piece of shit asshole who will <laughs> pull it out of the mail, try to rinse the check and rewrite it. But with Noodler's Black, that's just not going to happen. Another ink that I have been using recently, and I've been using this pen here a lot during my studying, and this is the Platinum Century Celluloid, the Cherry Blossom. So the reason why I'm using this one so much is because this is actually my wife's pen. She actually wanted this, so I got it for her a couple of years ago. But guess what? She just never uses it. It just sat around. So I started so that's using the pen it that because... you use when she steals like some of your other pens that you're like, oh, I really like this, and then she just takes it from you. It's like, okay, honey, there you go. Right. Well, no, the reason why is because listen, I barely see my wife anymore because I'm always I'm working and then I study, and my schedule. You know, I work later in the evening. I get home, she's asleep. She wakes up while I'm asleep and leaves for work. And then when she gets home, I'm studying. And then I go to bed after she sleeps. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, it's just the schedule never works out. Ships in the night, as they say. Right. So, I don't know. Since this is hers, it kind of like, when I'm studying and I feel unmotivated... It's like, oh, my wife's pen. I'll use this. And I, I just feel motivated. And I'm just like sentimental and and what do you call it? Like like dorky like that. So I've been using it. And it's it's a really gorgeous pen. I love the Century Celluloid. I love the Century Celluloids. I I love the green one. But I think I think I actually like the cherry blossom. Oh no, I almost spilled my coffee. I think I like the cherry blossom one a little bit better just because of the sentimental attachment to it by the fact that it's my wife's and I'm using it. And she didn't even notice that it was missing, I'll be honest with you. But I'll tell you what, though. The pens that, rather, the pencils that she stole from me, for example, the Retro 51 Zen pencil that Chris designed, she stole that from me and she uses it all the time, being that she's a musician and teaches. She writes on manuscript music paper all the time. And my Y-Studio brass pen, 
that I got a couple of years ago that Hulser sent me. That one became hers. That one wasn't even, I wasn't even notified that it was hers. It just wasn't on my desk anymore and was on her music stand. So, and that pencil lasts a long time. That one lead refill lasts like two years. It's crazy. It's like a thick stick of lead. So, so can we just go back because we got to wrap this up, but can we just go over all the winners again? Just announce to them the winners and then reach out to us at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com so that we can get those winnings sent out to you. Can you just, so we're going to start well, I'll, with, I'll just, I'll just hit them up on Instagram. I'll just go. Okay. DM them and let them know that sounds good. They were mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I think part of the ability to win this is they have to, they should listen to it without being prompted. Right. I, I did like, not stipulate that in the contract. That's so. true. You didn't like Ryan W listens. I know that, you know, the winner of the giveaway that I did a couple of weeks ago. And I know that because I asked him a question about what flute it was. I was wrong. Zoe's flute is not a Gemeinhart. It's an Armstrong and it wasn't open. Uh, but from the picture, that's what I thought. But he answered the question because he was listening. So yes, go Ryan W. And I love I, my love to Zoe and your family. So anyway, we really do need to wrap this up. Yeah. So on behalf of myself and Tom, I want to thank everybody for listening. This was episode number 128. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stinky. Did you have to wait on purpose? <laughs>